I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hey everyone, how's it going? Welcome back along to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by the 90 Min Football family. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simiu, and on today's show, we're going to be discussing the latest transfer stories slash links slash reports with regards to the mighty Arsenal. And as you'd expect, around about this time of year, there are plenty of them floating about. Plenty of uh, sagas, you feel, in the making uh, going into this summer. A lot of the same names being spoken about, being recycled. But, you know, you you wonder sort of whether Arsenal are doing something in the background that we just have no idea about. They've certainly caught us off guard in the past. So whilst our focus will be on the names that are making the headlines at the moment and are uh, sort of being written about and spoken about, you know, be mindful all the time, actually, that Arsenal uh, could well be doing business in the shadows as we've seen them do in previous years. But um, massive hello to everyone who's joining us today, uh, especially those of you that are joining us live at the moment. Always great to see a nice healthy group in the live chat. Um, get your thoughts in, get your questions in throughout the duration of the show. We'll take as many of those as we possibly can. Leave likes on the video, subscribe to the channel, all of that usual stuff. Um, I also want to point you in the direction of yesterday's video. Uh, no transfer themed show yesterday because I was very, very kindly invited down to Emirates Stadium by Socios.com, one of Arsenal's partners. Uh, to film some content, to present some content for them. Uh, but also they gave me a wonderful opportunity to just basically uh, have a kickabout on the Emirates Stadium pitch. It was a bag of balls right in the middle of the centre circle. I emptied it out, picked up the balls, took them towards the goal and um, I just started having a bit of fun. And I tried uh, in the video to recreate a couple of my favourite Arsenal goals this season. Uh, I tried to recreate the Reese Nelson goal against Bournemouth or at least strike it from a similar spot. Uh, check the video out to see how that went. Um, you'd also find me attempting the crossbar challenge, taking a penalty in front of the North Bank. Um, and, uh, and of course, uh, you'll find me trying to recreate Bukayo Saka's goal against Manchester United with, and I have to say, my weaker left foot. I am right-footed, so I was really, really proud of that effort. Uh, so go check it out. Bend it like Bukayo, the Harry Simeon edition on the Chronicles of Aguna YouTube channel. And I titled the video, I talk football, but can I actually kick one? Well, I'll let you guys be uh, the judge of that. Head over uh, to that video. It is the last video on the channel. And uh, lots of you have messaged me to say you enjoyed it. Lots of you enjoyed some of the clips I put up on Twitter. Um, so it was nice to, to kind of see people enjoying a, an alternative type of content. I've said it recently. I'm not much of a vlogger. Um, I've tried uh, over the last few weeks to do a bit more of that type of stuff. Uh, so, uh, yeah, let me know if you're enjoying it and if you want that to continue uh, as well. So if you could go over to that video, give it a like. Um, it would be very, very much appreciated. And let me know your thoughts in the comments. It isn't an audio piece because it's all visual. Uh, so if you are listening to this podcast on audio and you don't know what the hell I'm on about, go over to the Chronicles of Aguna YouTube channel and check that out. Let's say a few hellos uh, to some of you joining us. Tamina was there from the very beginning. And uh, Tamina has been very busy in the chat. Uh, any striker we've been linked with, right winger, right back, left back, left midfielder, left winger, centre back. You basically named every, every position. Um, 
look, Arsenal are not going to sign in every position this summer. I think that would be an unrealistic expectation to have at this point. I think there will be business done. I think there'll be significant business done. But I still think that significant business will be limited to three, four players at best. I think we're at the point now where we're not looking for numbers necessarily. We're looking to add greater quality. And, you know, we've got a lot of quality in the side at the moment. We might be without a couple of players that were were sort of key parts of the squad this season. We might be without Granit Xhaka, although that is not done yet. Um, there were reports going around yesterday that Bayern Munich had shown an interest as well uh, in him. So, you know, who knows what's going to happen there. The other thing is, as I've said to you guys before, I know nobody believes this and everybody calls me crazy when I say it, but I wouldn't be surprised if Granit Xhaka did a U-turn and stayed as well, because I think that, you know, he's been on this redemption journey. He has been out of the door, according to the press, many a times before. So whilst my prediction is that he leaves, given the noise around his departure and the fact that he didn't shut it down when given multiple opportunities to do that, particularly on the last day of the season, I still wouldn't put it past there being a U-turn and, and Granit Xhaka staying. The other thing as well is that Arsenal, I think, have made it pretty clear to the interested parties that they're not going to allow him to depart prior to them securing a replacement or somebody who can come in and fill the void left by Granit Xhaka, who, as I say, has been really, really important. So, yeah, um, we'll probably be without Xhaka. We might be without Kieran Tierney as well. Uh, we'll come on to talk about that in a little bit. But, you know, when you replace players like that, you have to bring in quality. We need numbers because we have greater commitments next season. The Champions League is a competition that nobody will accept Arsenal uh, taking lightly. You know, no fan is going to have the same kind of stance towards the Champions League as they did to the Europa League. Some would argue that they really wanted to win the Europa League and felt that the Europa League was the be-all and end-all and, and a really important thing because not only did it offer us a place back into the Champions League, which is where we wanted to end up, but obviously it's a European trophy. And Arsenal, for all their brilliance, particularly since I've been uh, following them and supporting them, you know, haven't been successful on the continent. So, you know, you want to, you want to see Arsenal sort of tick that box. You want to see Arsenal take that next step in Europe. And um, and so I can understand why a lot of people felt that the Europa League was of huge importance. For me, it was the second most important trophy. And once we got to the point where we were in a, a real strong position to challenge for the league, it had to be um, sort of sacrificed a little bit, if you ask me. Um, but yeah, um, we are where we are. And um, and uh, yeah, we um, we move forward. But look, three, four players will probably come in, I think, of a higher value than maybe some of the signings we've seen in recent seasons. And, and for me, that will probably be that unless there are any other opportunities that pop up. Uh, big hello to Mohammed, to Paul, uh, to Mafia Boss, to Stephen Allen, who says... Is it true that Javi Simmons' agent is David Dean's son? I'm not sure about that. Let's have a look. Let's see if we can get that information. Um, often transfermarked.com uh, lists who the agent, who the representative is. Let's see if we can have a look at that. Um, Javi Simmons, PSV Eindhoven. Darren Dean, yeah, correct. 
Darren Dean is uh, is his uh, is his agent. I don't know what significance that would have in the event that Arsenal were to move for the player, but we'll talk a little bit about Javi Simmons in a bit because he's the headline story in uh, today's episode. And uh, there's a reason for that. I want to talk a little bit about him, what he's managed this season and where, in my opinion, he could fit in um, if indeed there are other targets that we may be earmarked that we might not be able to get for various other reasons. Um GB is with us, uh, Tezzy, Foluso, uh, Just the J. We've got Trevor, we've got Henry, uh, we've got Halo, we've got BR, we've got Jason. Um, hope you're all well. Um, hope you're all enjoying the sunshine. It is FA Cup final day, and I do love it when the FA Cup final is played in the sunshine. It's a shame that I don't want either of the two sides contesting it to win it, but hey, um, it is what it is. But look, let's um let's kick off uh just quickly with um the Reese Nelson stuff, the latest on Reese Nelson. Now, nothing confirmed officially as yet, but we did hear the other day that negotiations were going well, that Reese Nelson uh, could be staying, that Reese Nelson could um you know, could decide that his future is at Arsenal and that Arsenal might be looking at this as a, a sort of opportunity to kind of give him, you know, another year maybe to prove himself. It could be an opportunity for Arsenal to secure him. I beg your pardon. I have no idea where that sneeze came from. I'm so, so sorry. Um, it could be an opportunity to help bolster our numbers in the wide position. I know we already had him at the club, but obviously we stand to lose him given his contract situation. But maybe the club are looking at other areas as more of a priority and feel that Reese Nelson could help us at least for one more season. Um, you know, and, and that would allow us in turn to go and spend bigger money on other positions that maybe the club see as more important at this stage. More talk last night of Reese Nelson um, and and the supposed breakthrough in these negotiations, but still nothing officially confirmed by the club. But it does look more and more likely as the days go on that Reese Nelson is going to commit his future to Arsenal. Um, it says that he's going to, or the report suggests, that he's going to be earning significantly more than I think the 60-odd thousand pounds uh, wage that he's on at the moment which is still pretty good for a player that's been very much on the peripheries of things. But as I've said over the last few weeks, look, I've, I've been a critic of Reese Nelson in the past. I've looked at him and gone, nah, um, you know, good player, flashy player, very skillful, very tricky, um, can be of great use at times, but just isn't at that level whereby he, whereby he can he can make the breakthrough at Arsenal. And I think this season, although his game time has been limited and although he's had actually very few opportunities in comparison to what you think he might have had, uh, given that he'd been out on loan, hadn't, you know, and, and sort of worked himself higher up the pecking order. I just think that we saw enough. We saw flashes from Reese Nelson this season, which suggests that he's worth tying down to a new contract. And if you tie him down to a new contract, the three... There we go. I think we're back. I don't know what happened there. Just all seemed to freeze. But yeah, anyway, if you can tie him down to a new contract, 
then that doesn't necessarily mean that you have to stick with him for three, four years. And this is the point that people keep missing. People keep going, well, actually, we need to be upgrading. Actually, we need to be improving. And Reese Nelson's okay, but is he worth the type of wage that Eddie Nketi is on, for example? The point here, guys, is not about the wage. You're going to have to give them a bigger wage because their contract is running out. You have to give them some incentive to sign with you as opposed to going elsewhere. Now, Arsenal are a massive football club. Reese Nelson loves the football club. That is an incentive in itself. But financially, you have to make it worth the players' while as well. But that doesn't mean that a year, 18 months, 24 months down the line, you can't go, actually, this isn't really working. You've still got a couple of years left on your contract. You know, you've been in and around the successful team. You've shown flashes, glimpses of what you can do. There will be suitors, maybe lower down the league, uh, maybe abroad. And so we can cash in on you then. And that is still more worthwhile than letting him walk away for free. And um, and that's the position we find ourselves in at the moment. But it looks as though the Reese Nelson negotiations are moving at least in a positive direction and that he will sign a new contract with Arsenal Football Club over this summer. Also wanted to talk a little bit about Kieran Tierney. Um, but before we do that, let's take a few of your questions here. Um, GB makes a good point. He says, uh, stop gap until Marquinhos is ready, maybe but all the reports are that he has torn it up in training uh, this season. Talking about Reese Nelson there. Um, yeah, look, I, I, I just think that, I just think that sometimes you, you need to speculate to accumulate. And sometimes, you know, for example, right, we've had a load of players on our books over the last few years that we all knew weren't good enough. And we didn't want to give new contracts to and we cast them aside and we, we left them out in the cold. But what happens then is as well as them maybe not necessarily being good enough for your longer term plans, you also kill their value. And this goes back to what I was saying. You have to speculate to accumulate. Sometimes you have to invest to reap the rewards and to invest in somebody like Reese Nelson in the way that I think we have with Eddie and Ketia only increases their value if in the event of a year, 18 months down the line, you decide that they're not they're not the right player for you anymore. So I'm all for this. And and Marquinhos, like GB mentions Marquinhos there. I don't know that Marquinhos is ready. From what I've heard and from what I'm hearing, it seems that Arsenal plan to maybe loan Marquinhos out again, which suggests that he um you know, he isn't ready in the eyes of the club just yet. So, um, yeah, we'll see. Uh, David Boyle says that uh, you and Canton talk effing shit. Well, how about, mate, we... Where is the button? How about we just block you and you can go get a life? Um, anyway, um, Faluso says, uh, I agree with you, Harry. They are good doing... They are doing good business with Reese. I hope he signs. Um, yeah, me too. Me too. And, and again, it comes back to that business element, doesn't it? As well as uh, all the other things as well. The football side, the, you know, what he brings to the squad, who exactly he's going to, um, you know, who exactly he's going to, uh, who exactly he's going to cover and at what times in the season uh, you use him. So, um, yeah. Cool. All right. Let's do the Kieran Tierney bit then. What's the latest with Kieran Tierney? Um Newcastle, according to reports, are growing increasingly confident of their ability to uh, to grab the player, to take the player from Arsenal up to the northeast, where he'll be obviously much closer to home as well. 
Um, and he'll also have the opportunity to play Champions League football as well. So you can understand why that move might appeal to Kieran Tierney. You know, his, his game time has been very limited. You look at what Mikel Arteta did at the back end of the season, i.e. putting Jakub Kivior in at left back, um, even in Zinchenko's absence, meaning that, you know, you would have thought that Kieran Tierney would be the go-to then. You know, there's just, yeah, there's, there's a lot of reasons why you could look at Kieran Tierney and if he came up to you and said, look, I've enjoyed my time here, don't really want to leave, but kind of feel I have to, you could understand it. You know, you can you can sympathise, you can empathise with Kieran Tierney's position. Newcastle, though, apparently uh, are growing confident of doing this deal. The figure that's been talked about is around about £30 million. Reports emerging, suggesting that Arsenal want more than that. And so they bloody should. But the big question here is, OK, if I'm saying £30 million is 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 not enough and you should push and try for more, how much more? How much more can you actually get for Kieran Tierney, given what he's achieved or or how he's performed and, and all the, the other circumstances around his sort of Arsenal career? over the last two, three years. What is what is the amount that you should be looking to negotiate up to? I would say the absolute maximum you're going to get for Kieran Tini is probably 40 million. And the reason for that is because I think that 30 is probably a more fair price. It's probably more around what you would value him at given or, or if the circumstances were different. But you've also got to remember that they're going to have to pay a premium because they are going to try and buy him from a rival, from a Champions League rival. Now, some will say, well, look at the season Arsenal had. We should be looking higher than qualifying for the Champions League. We should be looking at winning the Premier League. Therefore, Newcastle aren't even on our level yet. So are they a direct rival? Absolutely they are, because there's only four places up for grabs in the Champions League. And they are one of the sides that are now competing for them. It used to be a big six. Now you're talking about a big seven. You don't know what Aston Villa are going to look like next season. Are they going to be better under Unai Emery? Are Brighton going to maintain their level? In which case, you're talking about more and more teams coming into this select group of clubs that can qualify for the Champions League. And so if you're going to arm one of them, if you're going to strengthen one of them, which Kieran Tierney would do to Newcastle United, whether that be as a squad player or as a first teamer, you need to make sure that they pay a premium for that. You absolutely do. But the, the negative side when it comes to Kieran Tierney is his injury record is is really poor. Wasn't so bad the season that's just finished, but prior to that, it's been horrendous. And it's been a big worry and a big concern. Um, he hasn't played all that much, you know, of late because of Zinchenko's arrival. But for me, that's a tactical thing more than a you're not good enough thing more than a, I've got someone who's better than you. No, 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 let's put him in. It isn't like that. This is someone who is a very, very good fullback in his own right, but obviously tactically just doesn't quite fit in with what Mikel Arteta is doing. And, and Mikel's had to take that decision over a long period of time, having watched them both, which one of them gives more to my team overall. Is there a little bit of vulnerability at left back when, when Zinchenko plays? Yeah, sure there is, but you know, the, the balance has to be found. And, and unfortunately for Kieran Tierney, Mikel Arteta values the ability to step into midfield and help us dominate games more than he values that little bit extra sturdiness at left back. So, yeah, I think 40 million is about 
what I would be looking for from Newcastle United. But if the player's really pushing as well and you end up doing a deal at 35, 36, it isn't the end of the world. But when people say 30 million is nowhere near enough, okay, it's probably not enough and you probably should push for 40. But how much further can you push it? Because I don't think you can push it much further than that, if any further at all. In fact, I don't think you can push it any further at all because of all of those factors I've mentioned. So around about 40 million is about what I'd be looking to get for Kieran Tierney. But look, nothing is agreed. No negotiations have taken place as far as we're aware, as far as we understand, as far as we know. Um, so yeah, 40 million pounds is what where I'd be setting my stall at as Arsenal. Maybe I'd set it at 45, hoping that we'd achieve um, 40. Great, I've got another massive B behind me somewhere. Jesus, I can hear it buzzing in the back of my ear, not for the first time this season, eh? Um, anyways, let's uh, let's get some of your thoughts. Uh, Chima says 40 million. Dave Atkinson, 40 million. Um, Max stays, uh, says 40 to 45 band. Uh, Sean says 35. Um what else have we got in terms of valuations around about Kieran Tierney? Uh, Sean says he's injury prone, though. Um, what else have we got? Um, Paul James says Villa also want Tierney, and that could bump up the price. Obviously, Unai Emery knows him well and may be interested as well. And yeah, look, I've talked about it before. I've talked about bidding wars and how clubs, when they're looking to sell, dream of bidding wars. It's what they want. They want their players to be the subject of interest from numerous clubs so that they can pit them against one another and they can hopefully get the big amount of money that they're looking for. Uh, if we're getting rice for 92, um, why can't we inflate KT to 50 million? I mean, we could try get 50 million, but I, I, I don't think it's... um. I don't think it's it's going to be achievable if we're being realistic about it because you can dig your heels in loads, right? But also Arsenal would benefit from moving him on because they can then reinvest that money. So yes, it's like, well, we don't have to sell because we're financially strong enough right now. So we're not going to be bullied. But at the same time, you can benefit from it as well. And if it helps you get over the line in negotiations that you have, I guess whatever happens in Arsenal's window kind of up until that point will dictate how desperate they are to move Kieran Tierney on and how willing they are to allow him to go for for less money just so they can get the money in and then reinvest it in the way that they want. GB says uh, it's Newcastle versus Villa in a bidding war. It's a Scottish international with three years on his contract, that should be £40 million easy, maybe pushing £50 million, if it was anyone but Edu selling. So what GB is suggesting there is that Edu's bad at selling and therefore um, we should uh, we should expect far less. Look, I think the, the way people talk about Edu and his selling is really, really unfair, really unfair. And the reason it's unfair is because most of the players that we've sold since he's arrived, have been shit that was left over from the previous regime or players that were on stupid contracts that nobody else was ever going to take on. You've got to be realistic about the situation, man. He's come in along with Arteta. They've inherited a mess, a shit show. They've turned the ship around a lot. There will be hits when you go into the transfer market and there will be misses and there have been misses as well. Let's not pretend that there hasn't been. But when it comes to selling, I think that 
you know, the better your team is, the more value your players hold. The more value your players hold, the easier it is to negotiate and the more likely you are to get what we believe the market value should be for those players. And the team is in a much better state now. So let's judge their ability to sell from now on, I would say. Fuad says, didn't we pay 30 million for Zinchenko, who was on his final year and was a bit part player for City? Surely we can get more than 30 from a Premier League club. I think we paid about 35 for Zinchenko, to my knowledge, off the top of my head. But look how many trophies Zinchenko had won. And, and again, it goes back to what I was saying about the healthier the team, the more they can demand for their players, even players that are bit part players, because they're part of something special. They're part of a proven winning formula. And um, and so, yeah, it, it, it's... Um, it's uh, it's interesting, isn't it? Thirty-three five says no less than forty million. We devalued him by not playing him, but everybody knows his level. Look, I say that you got to be careful to not devalue players. I I mentioned that when we were talking about Reese Nelson a little bit earlier on. But at the same time, you have to find that balance between protecting the value of someone that you might sell in the summer, but also doing what's best for your team. And nobody's going to convince me that we'd have been better off this season playing Tierney more than Zinchenko. Look at the improvement with Gabriel Jesus and Zinchenko in the picture. Look at the way we we stepped forward. Look at how far we've come. And Zinchenko, for all his faults, which he does have faults, particularly defensively, has been a massive, massive, massive part in that. And I'm not going to let anyone say that Mikel was wrong to prioritise Zinchenko because the results tell you all you need to know, in my opinion. Um... What else have we got? Paul James says the market will determine Tierney's price. Uh, Sean says at least it's not a wasp uh, flying around behind the back of my head. I can hear it buzzing in the back of my ears. Um, why is it better that it's a wasp, by the way? Don't they both sting? <laughs> um, Jason says that's one dodgy mic cable. It's not even the cable, mate. I I don't know what it is. I, I did knock something with my... So, all the cables plug into this, like, um, what do you call it? It's like an extension because I haven't got enough ports on my computer to fit in all the different things, the camera, the wired internet, the microphone, um, you know, a couple of other bits and pieces as well, the, the mouse, all of those things. And I've got one of those like boxes that you plug it all into, but I did knock it because it's under the desk to my right. I did knock it with my knee at the start of the show. So I think that's... Um, that's why it's uh, giving me a bit of shit today. But anyway, we um we continue. Uh, doo -doo 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 -doo. Gaz says I would sell for fifty, but nothing less than thirty five. Um, was uh, Waz? I beg your pardon. Says if we move him on, we should absolutely go for Rafael Guerrero. Similar profile to Zinchenko. Lots of people been talking about him. Um uh in the last few days i've seen um paul james says are we all speculate we are all speculating we don't know what will happen only six players remain from the squad arteta inherited edu had to clear out the dross to get arteta an epl squad that can challenge uh, Stephen allen says uh, we need to remember kt was not an arteta signing um sean says bees only sting once um, oh, I thought they all stung once. I didn't know that wasps have multiple stings. Bees lose their stinger and die after one sting. Wasps are definitely worse. There you go. There you go. Um, you learn something every day. 
Okay, um, that's the Kieran Tierney part. Let's take a really, really short pause. Then we're going to talk uh, Sasha Bowie and Javi Simmons before taking some of your questions from the live chat box. Start getting them in. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. Now let's talk Galatasaray's Sasha Bowie. Uh, remember, if you want a little bit more information on him, if you don't really know an awful lot about him, head over to Tom Canton's The Guna Talk TV and you'll find one of his famous tactical breakdowns on the uh, fullback, which I found really, really interesting to watch. Um, certainly educated me around the player. And it's a name that when it comes to Arsenal just isn't going away at the moment. But there have been conflicting reports on this as well, because uh, over the past few days, we've heard a number of uh, outlets suggest that Arsenal are in talks with Galatasaray over the signing of the Frenchman, only for Fabrizio Romano to pour cold water on the story and say, look, Sasha Bowie is a player that Arsenal appreciate but there are no negotiations ongoing. No negotiations, to his knowledge, have taken place so far. So, again, one of the names that I think is going to be recycled around quite a bit over the course of this summer. So just brace yourselves for that. We've also heard Ivan Fresneda as a right back as well. Um, we've heard about Moises Caicedo potentially coming in to play as an inverted right back. I, I don't. Look, I look at our team and I look at what we need this summer, right? And I think we definitely want a winger. And I think we obviously tried to get a winger in January. We tried to get one the summer before. We didn't get who we wanted. I think that Arsenal might be thinking, let's just plug that gap for now with Reese Nelson, hence give him the new contract. So I think that was, um, I think that was maybe the thinking behind that. But I still wouldn't rule out Arsenal out of going and getting that profile of player. I think they're definitely going to do business in midfield. I, I really do. I think that's the priority. I think that's the number one. The right back situation. I'm not really sure that this is as much of a priority as some are saying at this moment in time. Now, I'm not saying that Arsenal aren't going to go out and bring in a player that can play right back. But you think about the end of the season and you think about how it all unfolded and the fact that we weren't able to push Ben White inside because we were lacking a right back due to Tommy Asu's injury. You know, the only thing I can think of is that Tommy Asu's injury is a big concern to Arsenal. And for that reason, they feel that they don't have ample sufficient cover there. But yeah, um, you know, I also find it difficult to get my head around some of the players that we're talking about as well, because I don't think any of them are this inverted fullback that people think Mikel Arteta is obsessed with. Um, but at the same time, you need different profiles of player, don't you? You can't play, or, or you, you probably won't see Arsenal play with inverted fullbacks on both sides all of the time. Um, and I think what you've seen over the course of this season was, yeah, they, there was an inverted factor to the way that, um, to the way that sort of Ben White played in that he would tuck in as a centre-back alongside the other two when Zinchenko would go forward at times. But he also got forward on the outside as well quite a bit in a way that Zinchenko didn't really do. So it's, yeah, it's, it's really difficult to work out what Mikel Arteta is thinking with regards to the fullback positions. And given that, as I mentioned, at the end of the season, he decided to try a few different players out there, different profiles of players, makes me think that he's looking at it and thinking, I need a squad and I need players that are capable of playing in a multitude of positions rather than too many specialists. And so is that 
does that play against this idea of going and signing Sasha Bowie or going and signing Ivan Fresneda from Valladolid? I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, you know, so I'm a little bit confused around what the intention is at fullback. I, I know what the intention is in midfield. I think that's pretty clear. I, I think that we could do with another striker. I think that we could do with another winger. Um, I think we could do with another fullback, in the, particularly in the event that Kiarantini goes as well. Um, but yeah, interesting. Really, really interesting to see how uh, how that's going to pan out. Um, what else have we got? Sadiq says, Sasha Bowie is an interesting one. He gives me Trent Alexander-Arnold vibes. Uh, he, he says, with his style of hair, but even the playing style seems a bit similar from the clips I've seen. He has a good cross. Highly rated player, um, but am I going to sound massively disrespectful by saying this, but you have to question why he's where he is. That doesn't mean he's not talented, but you have to question why he is where he is, and you have to question, you know, whether this if we did make this signing, whether this would be one of those kind of, let's bring in a, see if we can make it work, see if we can, uh, we can make it fit. So yeah, um, going to be really, really interesting. Uh, Jid says, bracing myself for Arsenal fans to YouTube Sasha Bowie's compilation before pretending they followed his career all along and demanding Edu get him or get the sack. Love that. Uh, it's so true, isn't it? So true. But look, the final player that I want to talk about um, is uh, Javi Simmons, whose full name, here's an interesting one for you, is Xavier Quinton Shea Simmons. Uh, 20 years old, PSV Eindhoven, uh, attacking midfielder, tends to play in a kind of central 10 position, but has been known to play from the right or left as well. Valued according to transfer market around about 30 million euros at the moment. Has a contract with PSV Eindhoven until 2027, which means that you're going to have to pay them what they want to get him out. And there isn't really going to be any leeway. Weakens your negotiation position from the start. The fact that he's got such a long-term deal. But this is a player that many people feel is a, a, about the right point in his career where he needs to be moving on. Now, I say this about loads of leagues, and I don't mean this disrespectfully because there have been successes and there have been failures from most of the, the best leagues around Europe when they've come to the Premier League. So you can't really guarantee this one way or the other. But his numbers in the Eredivisie, very, very impressive. Would he be able to translate those into the Premier League? Well, the other thing is, and the other thing to note, which I think is really important, is that... Fabio Vieira didn't really have the numbers, not to to justify or warrant us spending 30, 35 million on him. Um, you know, I don't believe that Arsenal are ready to give up on Fabio Vieira just yet. But we also hear and also sort of understand that Arsenal are looking to bring in some creative support for Martin Odegaard as well in those midfield positions. And one of the players that's been talked about was Mason Mount, but that seems as though he's um, heading to Manchester United. Not only did we hear just a couple of days ago that he's agreed personal terms with them, we've been told this morning that Manchester United and Chelsea have opened up dialogue around the transfer of this player. And this is going to be a 50 plus million pound deal. That's the absolute minimum is 50 when you take into consideration that Chelsea have publicly asked for 80 north of 80 crazy crazy money but anyway um so we know that arsenal are open to the idea 
of bringing in someone in that midfield who's a little bit more creative than a Declan Rice or a Moises Caicedo, who we're also being heavily linked with, of course. Javi Simmons, look at his record. He's stunning. Um, he started every single game for PSV in the Eredivisie last season. Scored 19 goals from midfield. 19. Brilliant. Nine assists as well. Um, played 92% of the minutes and participated in 31% of all of their goals. Take that onto the Europa League. Not so impressive. One goal, one assist in seven appearances. Um, played in the Champions League qualification stage. One goal in the Dutch Cup. Um, and one goal in the uh, Johan Cruyff sort of is that a tournament? I'm not not sure exactly what that is. But anyway, um, Xavi Simmons looks a player. And we've seen him up close as well. We played PSV Eindhoven, uh, didn't we, in the uh, in the Europa League. I didn't think he was that good when we played the... I'm trying to think if it was the home or away game. There was one of them where I wasn't that impressed. And there was one of them where I thought, yeah, actually he looks quite good. But anyway, whichever one of those it was... I think we saw glimpses of a, a really talented player. But, you know, as Hardly puts in the chat and, and as as Martin says, do we need more of these project players? Because that's what Javi Simmons would be. 20 years old, bit of a project, coming from a, a league that is a, a, a much lower standard and being asked to come into a setup where you want to be pushing on and competing right at the top, um, right at the top table. Difficult to say for me, really difficult to say whether or not this would be a good deal because I haven't seen enough of him. But although the stats read really well, I, I find it impossible to say that there is no risk to this. There is risk to every transfer, but you got to work out whether you believe the risk is worth taking. Is the upside greater? potentially than the downside. And I, I don't really know enough about Javi Simmons to be all over this. But again, no suggestion that this is at an advanced stage, no suggestion that negotiations are even ongoing. Just lots of reports claiming that Arsenal are keeping tabs on him. Arsenal do like him and Arsenal do see him as someone that could fill the the, the void that they're looking to fill in terms of bringing that additional creativity to the midfield. Um, to that attack, someone who is versatile, so he does tick that box as well, which we keep talking about is a big thing for Mikel. Play left, play right, play through the middle, etc., etc. But the thing that makes me think that this won't happen is the fact that Fabio Vieira is still around and the fact that Arsenal spent what they did on him, probably acknowledged internally that he needed a season to get himself up to speed. But I don't think they're ready to give up on that project yet. And if you're bringing in Javi Simmons, who's a great player and probably better right now than Fabio Vieira, you're almost saying the Fabio Vieira thing was a mistake. Now, I know sometimes if you want to be at the very top, you have to be ruthless in football and you have to be able to recognise something isn't working, get rid of it um, or, or, or replace them, change it and just swallow it and move forward. But I don't think Arsenal are ready to give up on Fabio Vieira yet. I really, really don't. Um, also, you've got a factor Smith-Rowe in as well. You know, Smith-Rowe's coming back. So I think that if we're in the market for midfield-type players, the focus has to be on the, the deeper-lying midfield players. The hybrids between eights and sixes, like the Declan Rices, the Caicedos, 
that's what you have to be looking at right now. Even the Zubimendis, you for me, Xavi Simmons is is a good player based on what I've seen, which isn't a great deal, but also looking at the metrics over the course of the season. But do we need another project signing? And this signing is going to cost a lot of money because of his contract situation, as I say. So, yeah, um, let's see how it goes. But, um, yeah, I want players that are going to come in and help the team straight away. And um, and I'm not convinced, I'm sorry, that Xavi Simmons will do that to a greater level, to a greater degree than Emil Smith-Rowe could when fit and firing, or than Fabio Vieira even could. Um, given that he's going to have another summer with the team, hopefully more opportunities, et cetera, et cetera. So let's see. Let's see how it goes. Okay, let's take a few of your questions. Last 10 minutes of the show, we'll take uh, as many of those as we possibly can. Um, what have you got for me? What have you got for me? Um, I did save a couple uh, earlier on. Uh, let's pick some of those out hold on a second halo says any more details about saliba's contract i would forfeit any new signing for that contract to be made um no um not that i know of but at the same time i'm not concerned about this one i'm not stressed about this one um as as mentioned to you guys the other day i was told that the offer made to William Saliba or, or the reported offer made of £120,000 was out of date. And that was an offer made way back in January or something. Um, and that negotiations have progressed beyond that between then and now. And so I wasn't panicking about it then. I'm still not panicking about it three, four days later. And actually more people have come out to sort of back up that point that actually that was an old figure that was being quoted, but it made a great headline and it gave people the opportunity to melt down generated a ton of clicks and that's ultimately the name of the game at the moment but yeah i'm not massively worried about this but um any more details around it i haven't heard anything uh further to what we discussed just a few days ago russ morgan says should we get cancelo falls into my bracket of if the price is right let's go and do it um you know mason mount fell into that bracket as well doesn't look like that's a goer looks like he's going to man united chelsea would prefer that because man united are certainly going to uh be more likely to overpay than us because it's just what Man United do. Um, but uh, should we get Cancelo? I really like Cancelo. I, I love the fact that he can play right back, left back, midfield. Um, I love the fact that he can do the inverted role, but he can also play as a more traditional fullback if you require him to. He's got experience. He's got the know-how. He's been there, done it. I think he'd be a great fit. But again, what is this going to cost? And I talked about the premium that you have to factor in if we're going to sell Kieran Tini to Newcastle because of the fact that we're in competition. Manchester City will not be giving us any good deals like they did last summer after the fact that we then were managed, uh, we then managed to raise our level and challenge them for the best part of the season. So, yeah, um, I think the negotiation here will be difficult. I really, really do. I know a couple of Italian journalists have come out and said, look, Pep is not the type to hold him back from joining Arsenal from fear of what Arsenal can do. But there has to be an element of that, surely, you know, surely. So um, I'd love to see him come, but do I see it happening? No. Um, I just think financially it'd be too difficult a deal to do. Um, and I think it would impact our wage structure quite a bit as well. 
Antoine says, Harry, what is your feeling regarding Arsenal's forward targets? If we go with Rice and Caicedo, I have the feeling we cannot go for an expensive name like Diaby or Osimhen, right? Yeah, I think that's that's probably about right. And that's why I keep talking about Reese Nelson maybe being seen as someone who can help us plug that gap for a little bit longer, um, for maybe one more season, maybe half a season until we get to January. And then we can decide whether he's progressed enough to then hold down that position or if we need to go out and bring in somebody else. Um, but I agree with you. A lot of people keep saying, you know, Arsenal have got this mega transfer kitty this summer and they're going to spend X amount of money. You know, I still think there'll be a limit to what we spend, as there should be. Um, and uh, and so, yeah, we're not going to be able to make three, four, um, you know, 70 plus million signings. So we have to be realistic about what we expect here. But I think you're right. I certainly think Ossiman's out of our price range. I think a deal could be done for Diaby, but, you know, is that a deal that Arsenal will prioritise above other things now? That's the big question um, for me. But hey, okay, uh, let's see what else uh, you guys uh, are saying. Um, Stephen Allen says, if we miss out on Rice or Caicedo, are there any other players we could still get that move us forward? It's really hard, isn't it? Because I feel like we've all got kind of tunnel vision now with this position because we've been linked with these guys for such a while that everybody's hung their hat on them and everybody's gone, well, you know, these are the ones we're after. These are the ones we want. So nothing else will do. Arsenal will try, but you have to have a backup plan. You just do, you know, and, and particularly with the... These two players are very sought after. There are a lot of clubs that are interested in them. Um, there are a lot of clubs with big spending power that are in for them. And you just can't rule out the possibility of a Chelsea or a Man City or a Man United at the 11th hour going, bang, here's 10 million more than Arsenal are offering. You just can't rule that out. So you always have to have something in the background, I think, a plan B. But I also recognise that you know, that that isn't always great because it kind of allows you to become less desperate in your efforts to get the player that you first and foremost wanted. So, yeah, interesting. Um, interesting, isn't it? Um, it is FA Cup final day as we record. And Everson says, how badly will United get thrashed this afternoon? They've had the most overrated season, in my opinion. Just one nil wins and the reliance on Rashford and ageing stars. Um, I'm trying to think about how I think this one's going to go. I don't think they're going to get thrashed. I, I think they'll lose, but I don't think they'll get thrashed. Um, just because it's a cup final, man. <laughs> but, you know, there's a, doesn't need to be an awful lot of analysis around that. I just think in a cup final, it's not likely to be this wild open game. I think Man United will try and sit in as much as they can, and, and they do have a threat on the break. No doubt about that. I do agree with you that they've had an overrated season and I kind of don't want them to win the FA Cup today because people will start with that nonsense of, oh, well, look, they've had a better season than Arsenal. The progress that we've made, for me, gazumps winning a Carabao Cup. That's how I see it. And then you've got to decide is finishing second and challenging um, for the Premier League title until the bitter end. Is that better than the FA Cup? I think it is. Um, I think it... 
it might not be better in terms of having silverware and all of that stuff, but it is a greater sign of progress, I would say. I think you can win an FA Cup even when you're not at your best. You can win a Carabao Cup even when you're not at the best. And that kind of ties in nicely to um, Russ Morgan's comment, have United had a better season than us, Champions League qualification and possibly two trophies. If they win both the trophies, then you could argue that they have. Um, you know, you, you could argue that they have. But I wouldn't swap our season, not because I'm happy with not winning silverware or, or coming second or anything like that, just because I think we really progressed. And I think that is going to stand us in good stead in the longer term. I, I still look at some of the signings Man United made last summer and think they haven't come good yet. And they spent a lot of money and they've got uncertainty around the club with regards to the ownership right now. You know, I, I think we've laid some really strong foundations and we've got stability at Arsenal Football Club. And, um, and the platform from which we can rise further, I believe, anyway. But I'm not going to say Man United haven't had a good season if they if they win both Cups and the, the Champions League. That's, ultimately, if they'd have got in the top four at the start of the season, that would have been a success in Ten Hag's book. It's his first season, remember? Um, so I'm not trying to discredit them. But I've looked at some of their performances this season and I've not been massively impressed. I think they've got results that maybe their performances didn't always warrant. Um, so all I'm saying when it comes to United is that there's still a lot more work to be done and they're not as far down the progression line as we are. Remember when Mikel Arteta won the FA Cup? I actually thought that that added pressure to him because people didn't really recognise the size of the rebuild at hand and went, oh, it's OK, he's just won an FA Cup. Well, they should get in the top four next season. And then we didn't and we were way off it. And then people started to panic and have a meltdown, etc., etc. So... Yeah, we'll see. Um, Ghosted says, you're insane. A trophy is forever in the cabinet and you're a winner. A second place finish is forgotten in years to come, especially if everyone improves and we end up in fifth this year. I'm not saying that I, I don't want to win trophies. That isn't what I said. Um, but the progress for me ha has a lot of value this season. FA Cups, how many are we going to win? Like, I, I love it every single time, obviously, but... You know, you tell an Arsenal fan, you say to an Arsenal fan, what trophy do you really want to win? Say to me, what trophy do you really want to win? I'm not putting the FA Cup at the top of the list right now because we've been there, done it a million and one times. I'm not saying you shouldn't want to win it for that reason. But what I'm saying is we've won FA Cups before when our team was shit. We've won FA Cups before and not been able to compete anywhere near the top of the division. So the point I'm making is that winning a cup, as great as it is, can sometimes paint a false picture. Mikel Arteta won an FA Cup and then his team finished eighth the following season. You know, that's that's the reality of it. You know, some of those Wenger teams, you know, they were nowhere near challenging for the Premier League title. When we won the three FA Cups in four years, we were nowhere near challenging the Premier League title pretty much. But we managed to... Um, but we managed to... Uh, you know, we managed to get our hands on a trophy and that papered over the cracks. And that is a big reason as to why Arsenal are where they are now. If you're in a great state as a football club and you win an FA Cup, fantastic, it's amazing. But if it papers over cracks, it can kind of have a negative impact is what I'm trying to say. Uh, Ghosted says, you said United won't have had a better season than us. NFA Cups, how many are we going to win? Give me all of them over a position in the league. Well, if they only win the Carabao Cup, I said they won't have had a better season than us. And I said, actually, if they win the FA Cup as well, 
then they you can make the argument that they have had a better season than us. So I don't know what you're listening to. But anyway, um, right. Going to leave it there, guys. Uh, Going to leave it there. Um, Going to go and put my feet up, chill out, relax a little bit, get ready for the FA Cup final. Going to be just chilling out at home, watching some football on the TV today. It's been long overdue. Um, and I'm feeling a bit uh, a bit flat, a bit low in energy off the back of what's been a really busy, crazy season. Um, but yeah, anyway. Um, okay. Uh, shall I take a couple? Let me take a couple more comments. Um, Posted says, therefore, United have already had a better season. Just my opinion and respect, though. No, you're entitled to your opinion. I'm just putting my argument across. I'm not... I'm not saying that um, you're not allowed to have a different opinion to me. And I appreciate that you're in the chat and commenting. All I'm saying is, for me, this season was about getting into the Champions League. That was the bottom line. We've done that with loads to spare and challenge for the title, which I didn't think was possible. So there is loads of progress. So I'm not going to let Man United potentially win in an FA Cup today impact my view on how our season went. Um, we are further than them in the progression of our club. I really do believe that. Um, Gary says, Harry, you can't please everyone. Anybody who thinks we're not in a good place or haven't had a good season is wrong. I'm sick of hearing that fans like me are the reason we haven't won. Yeah, completely agree. Uh, but anyway, guys, look, going to leave it there. Thank you all so much uh, for your comments, for your interaction, uh, for watching, for listening, all the rest of it, for bearing with me uh, with a few kind of technical glitches during this show as well. Uh, none of them lasted too long, which was amazing. Uh, I was just able to click a button and get them back on track. But uh, it does happen, unfortunately, when you do live stream sometimes. It's just the way it is. Uh, check out the video from yesterday from the Emirates Stadium. Uh, a couple of you have been asking me about part two of our season review. Uh, that has been recorded. It will drop tomorrow. Um, it will drop tomorrow. It's Sunday. Put your feet up. You're probably going to need a, a nice drink with that one as well because it can it does get a little bit heavy um, and a little bit depressing. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's coming out uh, tomorrow. Uh, check that out. And I'll see you all again very, very soon with more. Until next time, take care of yourselves. Enjoy the final. Not too much because we don't want any of them to win, really, do we? See you soon. <laughs> I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.